Hello, hey, fellow Rebel Capitalists. Hope you're well. I'm right here with my good buddy Jeff Snyder, and you caught us right in the middle of a conversation. We were when we were talking about the plumbing of the financial system and what on earth is going on right now. Not just with Silicon Valley Bank. That might may be just kind of the 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 minor stuff. To be honest with you, there's a lot more going on underneath the surface when you get into the nuance. So, Jeff, let's let them write into our private conversation here. What were we just talking about? Eurodollar futures. That's where we always need to start, where you begin your analysis, because that's the deepest, most sophisticated market. And if you want to know what's going on in the monetary system, what, what anybody with trillions of dollars on the line is thinking and worrying about what they're hedging, how they're hedging, that's the place to go. And as George and I were just saying, just shaking our heads at the, I, I don't even have a word to describe the moves today. We were just talking about the September 2023 Eurodollar futures contract, or excuse me, yeah, the September 23 contract, which is up nearly 100 basis points just today. And that was after a 50, 40 or 50 basis point move on Friday. I mean, this is just literally insane because... So, meaning the price, Jeff. So the yield the price, has yes. been crashing. On, uh, and, and, and by the way, earlier, and I'd like to get your take on this, we did a video on how the two-year treasury has gone down by 100 basis points in three days. Like I wasn't yeah. paying much attention to it over the weekend. And I saw that headline this morning and it completely blew my mind. And 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 I don't know if you saw this stat, but that's the, 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 the biggest... Uh, decrease in yields since 1987 black monday and even during 911 the yield only went down by 68 basis points during that 3 day span so 40 basis points worse than 911 is what we've seen over the last 3 days and my conclusion was this has to be something more than just silicon valley bank and in fact it has to be more yeah. And just fragility in the banking system or just some side, some sort of systemic risk with mid-tier banks. Yeah, it's not just the size of the moves that we're seeing. It's that these moves are being replicated everywhere. It's mm. not just U.S. Treasury yields that are falling. You're seeing German bond yields. The Japanese 10-year Treasury, which or the Japanese 10-year JGB, which is supposed to be, you know, stuck at 50 basis points given all of the interest rate differentials. That has gone from 51 or 52 down to around 30. So even oh JGBs wow. are moving, the long-run JGBs. This is a global flight to safety, and dare I say flight to, to collateral, because this morning, before we even got all the, the, the morning trading in Eurodollar futures and whatnot, massive flight to collateral in treasury bills. We saw the three-month treasury bill yield dropped 20-some basis points overnight just before the U.S. Open. The four-week treasury bill rate, uh, that fell precipitously too. So it's basically anywhere you look, the system is saying we're not happy. We're really, we're really kind of afraid here. There's more than a little tinge of panic in the marketplace, except if, except if you're looking at stocks. Of course, stocks are up because why wouldn't they be? Why would they be <laughs> in a time like this, right? The entire yeah. global marketplace is 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 almost melting down, and the stock market's up. You gotta love this. <laughs> yeah. So I may have been caught off sides there, and I did a live stream last night. And Josh and I were talking about how the one-month treasury, the yield, had actually gone up on Saturday and Sunday. And on my live stream last night, I said, okay, well, this would tell me that the market doesn't see that much systemic risk in the banking system, even if Silicon Valley Bank and Signature go bust, because if, if they did see a lot of systemic risk, you would see that yield plummeting. You would not see the yield go up. And that was just my amateurish opinion of it.
But now you're telling me today when the market actually opens, those yields have, have plummeted. So did I misread that? Kind of. It's it, During the illiquid hours, uh, usually it starts in Asia and then moves through Europe. Before the U.S. market opened, the repo market has to get itself ready for the day ahead and has to still unwind some some transactions from Friday. Mm, and what okay. we saw was in the early part of the morning, before the U.S. opened, this massive wave of buying in, in especially four-week, uh, eight-week, as well as three-month bills, which is the telltale sign of a massive collateral shortage because as everybody's getting ready for their funding on today, they have to square everything off yesterday. So if, if there's not enough collateral left over from Friday because Friday was a complete mess, before the market opens, before the U.S. opens today, you've got to resolve all the collateral imbalances, cash imbalances, reverse repos. Everything has to happen at once. And occasionally during these worst, these periods where things get really bad, you'll see treasury bill yields plummet in this, this early morning session because everybody's forced into buying and acquiring the best quality collateral. So it's a telltale sign of a collateral shortage, which given everything that's going on here, as you said, George, this, this isn't really about Silicon Valley Bank. Because if it was about Silicon Valley Bank or Signature Bank, then today would be great. Everything would be going in the opposite direction. The marketplace would say, the Fed's got this covered. The FDIC is going to make everybody whole. The Biden administration and Janet Yellen are going to make sure that everything's fine. There's yeah, nothing right. here to worry about. Instead, today in these markets is worse than it was Friday. So you've got a couple of things that are really grabbing your attention here is the big moves are happening. Yes, they happen Friday, but they're bigger today, which is the market saying whatever is going on, it's not just Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. So what is your base case as far as what the bond market is telling us right now? Obviously, it's telling us that there are some serious, serious risks and that maybe even the global monetary system is starting to crumble, very similar to what we saw during the GFC in 2008. But what would, you know, if you were placing a bet, what would your base case be on how this is going to play out above and beyond just uh, Silicon Valley Bank? Yeah, that's, we don't really have enough information about it specifically what it is. I mean, when you think about inversion, inversion has always been in the, in the context of the Federal Reserve and interest rates, is that at some point, something would stop the Fed's rate hikes, regardless of whether they're willing to, whether they want to do it or not, and then turn them around. And as inversions got deeper and deeper and deeper, really from last November and December and into January, that was the market saying the probability of this happening has gone way up. And of course, right. now we see now we see it happening. Um, what that means is that something is going to force Jay Powell to say, we can't hike rates anymore. Forget the CPI, forget all the payroll reports, because remember, the payroll report came out on Friday, and that un under any other circumstances would have been even more hawkish, rates, heights going, rate, rates going even further upward. Instead, the markets have completely ignored them. And again, George, as you said, it's not just the U.S. You look at Germany, the ECB is supposed to hike rates in two days. In German rates, French rates, European rates are plummeting. So the entire global marketplace is saying there is strain in the monetary system that's going to lead to some kind of financial turbulence, because that's what they always say, that is going to get the, get the Fed, the ECB, all the rate hikers out of their rate hikes and to begin considering very strongly rate cuts. That's the action of Friday and today is that, OK, we've got the probability that rate hikes are done. That's been priced in. Now we're, we're seeing, as I said, you know, the September 23 contract at down 100 or up 100 basis points in price. That's the marketplace hedging 
that it will pay off when interest rates do go down substantially in a couple months from now. So what has to happen that would that would make that scenario valid? What has to happen that would make that type of hedging pay off? And there really aren't that many cases here. It's Silicon Valley Bank leads to other probably interbank funding problems, not necessarily the regional banks, but globally, U.S. dollar funding problems become interrupted. That leads to financial turbulence. Where that's, that's the term they always use. And that may be something that could occur outside of the banking system, but would result in a problem for the banking system. I think that's yeah, but- where I want to be clear. Because let, let's just back up for a moment, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. But with Silicon Valley Bank in particular, it, it's not like they didn't have the assets to match up with their deposit liabilities. It's that they had to sell those things, take a haircut, and they didn't hedge out the interest rate risk. So no, it's worse that not than it? that. Okay. They, you know, George, they're thinking interest rates are going to continue to rise. <laughs> so they haven't been paying attention to the yield curve at all. When it, my, what limited information that we have for Silicon Valley Bank, and they just put out a filing on March 8th. So this was last week. What mm-hmm. they basically said was our venture capital borrowers, all those venture capitalists who have borrowed funds from Silicon Valley Bank, those loans are still fine. They're, they're not experiencing losses. But these venture capitalists who have borrowed funds from the bank are using those funds much more than the Silicon Valley Bank had anticipated. So okay. Silicon Valley Bank's cash margin has dwindled. At the same time, deposits are not coming in to replenish those that are being spent elsewhere. Okay, so, so they're mismanaging left, the liability side of their balance sheet. And so what they did was the most stupidest thing you could possibly do is they had $21 billion in ATS, which is uh, available for sales security, so AFS security. So that's in their, yep. their trading book. They sold them all. They sold them all at a loss, which tells you there's something more going on here because they sold all of their bonds, which they could have used the collateral in the repo market. Maybe the repo or derivatives markets are not supplying them with funds like they needed, not or like mm. they fed or like they wanted to, which left them to say, "We got to, we just fire sale. We just got to fire these sale, fire sale these assets at whatever price we can. We have to book whatever loss we have to because we don't have any other choice." And that's what the Fed did when it came in last night, late last night. Another emergency program basically said, "We'll give you one year, up to one year term funding, and we'll value your collateral at par." So you don't have to mark the market. We don't have any haircuts, which tells me that the Fed knows the same thing with the Silicon Valley Bank. There's more going on here than just their drain of deposits or just the venture capitalists spending more funds than than the Silicon Valley Bank anticipated. Hey, guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Why 
why would Silicon Valley Bank, and I think I know the answer to this, why would they not utilize the discount window of the Fed? Is it because the even if they had the liquidity, they took such a haircut that it didn't match up with the deposits that were declining on the liability side of their balance sheet? I don't think they had the collateral because there has okay. been there has been near constant use of the discount window, which is called primary credit nowadays. And if you look at the primary credit, it had started to rise last March and it got to up to about it got up to about 10 billion at the peak last November. And it's still about four, four and a half billion. Can't wait till yep. until until Wednesday to see what it's going to be this week. But primary credit has been used by small banks pretty, pretty uh, regularly since last March. Why didn't Silicon Valley access primary credit? Because primary credit is collateralized. You got to show up with collateral. And maybe they didn't have enough. If you, again, you go back into their filing from last month, they talked about their off balance sheet sweep and how they have other, other possibilities. They just termed out their funding from, I think, 15 to 30 billion. So they've been, I think, using more and more of their available collateral. And then apparently that wasn't enough. So they sold out what was left in their trading book, which obviously leaves them with very little options. You can't go to the Fed window if you don't have any treasury. Right. Okay. So you've said many times that, that whatever crisis we get next most likely won't be identical to the GFC. The probability is very low because you don't get the same quote unquote black swan type of event just a decade later. But this, what we're seeing right now looks a heck of a lot like 2008. <laughs> so so how, how is this not going to be a repeat of the global financial, or why is this not going to be a repeat of GFC number one? Because back then you had the larger banks, the securities banks, the uh, the brokers. Those are the ones who failed. It was the Morgan Stanleys and the Bear Stearns and the Lehman Brothers, the big Wall Street firms. Those are the ones who yeah. failed. That's not what we have this time. This time you have the smaller regional banks who are experiencing probably the same problems as Silicon Valley Bank. And I don't expect a lot of them are going to fail either. Um, you know, it's it's really... It's, it's a systemic issue with the way in which liquidity is redistributed throughout the system. And over the last couple of years through this, which wasn't inflation, um, part of the problem with Silicon Valley Bank and other regional banks is that as the Treasury came in, deposited a bunch of funds in everybody's account, whether you be a person, whether you be a business, all that giveaways to businesses or the ridiculous paycheck protection program, whatever the case may be, you had a lot of deposits show up at even small banks. Um, small banks who thought the same thing that a lot of companies did, that the good times were going to last forever. And these deposits were going to stick around forever. But because it was only a one-time windfall, as Americans and as American businesses spent those funds, they had a, they redistributed and migrated away from the smaller banks who don't process a lot of international payments. And all those funds went up to the larger banks. So larger banks like uh, JP Morgan and all the rest they have tons of funding. They're fine. They have nothing, nothing to worry about. Unlike 2008, it's the smaller banks who have no cash cushion, which is why they've been using and accessing primary credit at the margins, because they're the ones that are being drained of cash for a variety of reasons, including that. They all thought and they all invested their, their loan books based on the idea that funding would be great forever. And so the real, the real issue here is if JP Morgan and all the bigger banks have all this extra funding that has migrated up to them from everywhere else, why are they not lending that back into the marketplace in some manner? Why aren't they lending through repo or some other type of funding uh, technique? 
to give it back to uh, other firms or other banks and other financial firms that might actually need it. That's, I think, where the markets are really worried is why, why aren't the big banks who are flush with cash, why aren't they lending to those who actually need it? That's right. the part that maybe looks a lot like 2008. Yeah, because they're not they're not stupid enough to be duped by the banking version of the bullwhip effect. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Nor are they nor are they going to um as we were talking about before we started the recording. Nor are they going to buy the Fed's crap where this new program they came out with that's supposedly going to fix everything and make everything happy. You know, the what is it the BTFP, the broad term right. funding program. Apparently if that was an effective tool, then we would not see trading today look as bad as it is. We would not see the markets hedge the hell out of everything all over the world if everybody believed this new Fed tool, which, again, why are they creating new tools? If they yeah. thought it was going to work, we wouldn't see what we see in the marketplace today. Yeah, and I think you said it well. Just on Friday, they said they had all the tools they needed. And then on Monday, they say, oh, we're putting out another tool. <laughs> they do. I mean, they what? say this all the time. We've they nothing to fear here. We've we developed all of these tools. We have a, a a huge toolkit with all these massive tools in it. And then the very next day, oh by the way, we just created another tool. So don't worry about anything. Yeah. We've got more. Oh, by tools the way, we got to make a quick it. stop by Home Depot to buy another yeah. tool. <laughs> it's just. And I think that's part of the reason here. The, the markets know this is all just a public relations game. This is not a central bank doing central bank things. They're just trying to quiet the public using, I mean, just throwing letters out there. The markets know <laughs> if the Fed has to create a new, a new tool, it's because they don't know what the hell's going on. They don't really have a good handle on really the, the area which, which, is, which is at fault and what's really at risk. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of, Jeff, is back March 2020, when the when everything was melting down and the Fed was supposed to meet on a Wednesday and they had that emergency meeting on a Sunday. Yeah. And they said, OK, we're going to do QE, you know, infinity. We're going to drop rates down to zero. We're going to commit to up to a trillion dollars a day in repo. We're going to do all these things uh, to make the sun shine again. And then you wake up Monday morning and the market tanks by like 1,500 points. And it continues to go down until we got the CARES Act. And that's when you really started to see the stock market do that V-shaped, quote unquote, recovery. But it, it seems like- It wasn't just stocks either. You're right. It was, it was the uh, collateral markets too. They kind of got unclogged by that rush of treasury bills. But that's the point is that the markets distinguished between what the Fed was trying to tell the public- and it's it's interesting. It's eerily similar. Um, it was late Sunday, March fifteenth of twenty twenty. They came out with this massive QE, and initially the stock market, as it did as it has done today, uh, rebounded. And then early in the morning, it said, "Oh, this is not going to work." And then one of the worst days in the single days in the New York Stock Exchange history. And that's another mm -hmm. point here too, George, is that here we are again, the middle of March. These things happen yeah. at these particular periods of time because this is a seasonal bottleneck or a seasonal low point as far as U.S. dollar liquidity. Dealers are highly constrained because of the two weeks before the quarter end. You look back through history, you see this repeatedly. Bear Stearns failed March uh, 13th of 2008. Again, two weeks before the quarter end. We had March of 2020. There's also the bottlenecks in September. The middle of September, that was Lehman Brothers AIG. 
uh, the repo problem in September of 2019. That was September 16th. Uh, last year, we had a massive, you know, the that stuff in the UK wasn't really about the stuff in the UK. That was in the middle of September of, two, of 2022. So here we are at a seasonal low point in liquidity, and it is exposing not just Silicon Valley Bank or Signature Bank, it's exposing all the faults and fractures that are underneath that you don't normally see. And I think that's what's worried the marketplace is the marketplace says, we do see these things, even if the Fed doesn't. And what we're seeing is that there's no emergency liquidity. There's no extra liquidity coming into the system in the way that it should. So I'm going to hedge the hell out of every position I have because, I, I mean, what happens over the next couple of days? Uh, there's short run considerations as well as long run considerations. And basically, just to sum it up here, the, the market is calling the Fed's bluff. They're saying you can come up with all the stupid tools you want and you're not going to fix the problem. And Janet Yellen can come out and ensure all the depositors, BFD, it's not going to make a difference because you don't have what it takes to fix this problem that the yield curve has been shouting about for the last, call it nine months or so. You know, I don't want to go way off on a tangent here, but when you keep talking about collateral, 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 I know that the pristine collateral, to use your words, U.S. Treasuries, how does the debt ceiling play into that from a standpoint of, of they're not the only new debt they're issuing is to pay off the old debt. So is that putting an additional constraint on the banking system? Actually, it helped in the short run because as the, the Treasury Department got up against the debt ceiling back in January, Yellen's Treasury Department had to issue more and more bills, short run bills mm, to stay okay. under the debt ceiling. So for a while there, it actually helped. We actually got more treasury bills and some of the signs of strain that you normally see, like treasury bill rates, uh, repo fails, things like that, those actually came way down. It looked really mm. good for a while. It was like a but mini operation twist type thing. Yeah. Over the last couple of weeks, though, things have been going in the opposite direction. And I don't know exactly. I mean, speculate all we want, but for whatever reasons, over the last couple of weeks, I mean, the market knows that as long as the debt ceiling is still an issue, at some point, the Treasury Department's going to have to take those bills back, which they're going to want to take them. Even if the debt ceiling gets uh, gets resolved, they're going to take those bills back to begin with. So at some point, there's a there's a plateau for the level of bills, and they're going to come down and become scarce again anyway. But mm -hmm. we've seen, I mean, you look around the global marketplace. Again, this is not Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, you know, I watched uh, Japanese government bonds. Some of the Japanese government bond yields or government bill yields have been dropping for the last several weeks, which suggests there's some stuff going on there. Some other indications in Europe and elsewhere that um, even before we got to this week, there was some anxiety. There was some some, you know, dysfunction and disorder starting to creep into the system, as normally is the case. And then you put that together with the seasonal low point in liquidity. It's a potential nightmare scenario. What are your thoughts on Credit Suisse? I saw that their credit default swaps just skyrocketed in price again today. Well, if Credit Suisse was a bad bet when things seem relatively benign, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. things are going, how do they survive? I think Credit Suisse Good gets point. nationalized. I think that's really? the only way out for them. Um, the question is, what, what kind of a potential impact does that have elsewhere? So Credit Suisse could be the big one that, that makes makes 2023 look like 2008 again. Um, but as far as other ones around the system, I think the issue is more about the system itself than the individual parties within it. Again, this is not about Silicon Valley Bank. It's not really about Credit Suisse. 
It's about how those who do have cash are not relending that cash, which is really what happened in 2007 and 2008. It's not really a depositor crisis, as you pointed out, George. It's an interbank problem, which is why you see, you know, the credit default swap for the United States went shot through the roof, which isn't really about the U.S. government going bankrupt or insolvent because the U.S. government is insolvent. It's about the it's about hedging for, you know, that's an end of the world type of hedge. Um, which means it's not really about the end of the world, but the most serious pot potential outcomes. Um, that's why you see the credit default swap go way up. Uh, just like you're seeing Euro dollar futures, everybody in the marketplace all around the world, they're hedging like we haven't seen in a very long time. And I'm not even sure, you know, I'm trying to think back in my memory if I've seen Euro dollar futures prices move this much in any single short term period. I don't even think we saw that back in back then either. In so 2008, this you're is, about. Yeah. So this is this is in some ways unprecedented, wow. which is it, it, it's a, a lot. you gotta you gotta pay attention here. Forget what Jay Powell says, as you said, George, forget Janet Yellen. They're gonna be they're gonna play their role on TV, President Biden, they're gonna come on and say everything's fine, but the markets do not believe that. All right, my friend. I'll I'll let you go on that note. Let's talk about Euro Dollar University. Let's talk about your podcast. Let's talk about your new thumbnails. <laughs> I wish I could do something about the thumbnails. <laughs> it, 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 it's a funny joke. It's an inside joke. I'll I'll let the yeah. viewers. In here, I'll, I'll let here. everybody in on it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm always trying to help Jeff with his thumbnails in his YouTube channel. And for a while there, he was like closing his eyes on his thumbnails. I said, "No, Jeff, I, I've studied Mr. Beast and everything. I know that you, the viewers, have to see the whites of your eyes, and that's what gets a higher click-through rate." So then the next couple of days I saw Jeff's thumbnails <laughs> and he went from like, kind of like doing this and squinting to where his eyes were like, <laughs> like this. I was just so I telling sent you George, an email, giving him a hard time saying, I okay, was, now you really got I your eyes you. open. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you got to go subscribe to Jeff's uh, YouTube channel. You got to check out his thumbnails. Let him know what you think of him in the comments of his videos. Where can they find what you do online, Jeff, with your membership program? And then yep, you can all find it at, at the website. Uh, obviously, the YouTube is at Eurodollar University there. And the website where we have memberships and research subscriptions, where we go into these things like Eurodollar futures and curves and how, as George said, the curves have been screaming about this for a very long time. Yep. Um, yep. So subscriptions, memberships at Eurodollar.university. That's the website. All right, Jeff. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you next time, buddy. All right, George. Always a pleasure.